Welcome to the Redeemer Lincoln Square podcast. Our church began in April of 2017 and is located just down the street from Lincoln Center in the Lincoln Square neighborhood of Manhattan. Our channel will primarily feature sermons from our Sunday worship service, as well as encouraging stories and conversations with members of our LSQ church family. We hope you'll subscribe as a way to stay connected during this season of uncertainty and social distancing. Today's scripture is Exodus 20, verse 16, and Matthew 5, verses 10 to 12. Exodus says, You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. Matthew says, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Before we uh, start the sermon, thank you, Shannon, for reading. Uh, and good morning to everybody. Before we look at the text, I just want a, a quick update about our in-person worship protocols. I know it feels like almost every other week we have a new update, but that's the world we're in right now. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for being with us in this journey. Uh, Given the current low numbers of of infections in our area and conversations we had with ethical culture, uh, we're actually going to translation to a more relaxed level of protocol starting next Sunday, July 4th. And what you say, what does that mean? It means beginning next Sunday, you do not have to uh, go online and register anymore. That's something to clap about, okay? <laughs> um, we, we can always change and revise if, if we, we feel uh, the need for safety reasons to uh, put protocols back on, but we don't need to anymore. So starting tomorrow, the registration page will not be open at noon. You can simply just show up on Sunday morning, uh, and hopefully before 10.30 a.m., we need to as we work to get back on time out of the, into this new habit of being at church, we can do this. Um, that also means that our capacity in, in the auditorium has increased. So I've talked with a lot of you who have been streaming in that have said they've been staying away to give people uh, more space to attend. The good news is uh, we have space now. And so we'd love for you to join for us maybe for the first time in a long time, if that's okay. Uh, at the same time, we're going to keep trying to create spaces where we're the most loving to the most amount of people, and there are people who still feel the most comfortable uh, to, to be distanced and to be masked, um, vaccinated, unvaccinated people, so we're going to keep having designated areas uh, for that reason. And um, th- I think this is a big change. I think it's a good change, and uh, we're going to keep utilizing the balcony uh, for uh, those who want to be masked and uh, unvaccinated, as well as those who want to downstairs, those who are more comfortable with more relaxed social distancing rules. So uh, no registration anymore, and we'll leave it up to you, uh, on, your, you know, on your own conscience to uh, provide spaces for everybody where you're going to sit. Uh, secondly, uh, per the recommendation of, of doctors on our task force, we're going to keep maintaining, uh, uh, keeping the windows open to circulate air to reduce overall exposure. Uh, our, we usually have air conditioning that, that is actually the space that we have here. I know it's getting toasty. The AC is broken. They are trying to fix it. Uh, we're sorry about that, but it's, again, something I think that is worth still coming together to be together 
we'll email everybody about this, um, and as, as well as if there's actually, if there's, you know, if we find out there's infections in our congregation, we'll try to email everybody about that just to keep everybody informed. If you're not on our email list to, to get this stuff because you're new, go to Redeemer, go to lincolnsquare.redeemer.com. There's a subscribe button there so you can keep getting updates about what's going on. So those are the updates for now. The biggest one is you won't need to register next week. And if you have questions or need further clarifications, please let us know. And again, thanks for uh, being part of this and working with us uh, through this unprecedented time. All right. Now, we are in our home stretch for our series on the Ten Commandments. And for me, I feel like this has been a lot like biking in New York City. Uh, I've grown up here in the city, and I've been biking in Manhattan for before there was these things called bike lanes. Um, bike lanes were known as the street uh, back in my day. And what, what I love about this town, what I love about New York City, is that you can go the same route every day for years, and then all of a sudden you see a building or a sculpture or something that's beautiful, and it catches your eye, and it impacts you. That's what's great about this town. Is there's always something new to discover here. And as you've been hearing a lot of the members that have come here week after week, that's one of the things that uh, you like as well. But in the same way, you can look at the Ten Commandments. You can have traveled that route your entire life. You can pass by them and never notice how beautiful and how complete and, and how able they are, uh, able to inform us of everyday living. And so I think that's, how, that's the, that's the uh, way we need to see Ten Commandments. So today we're going to look at the Ninth Commandment. Let's, let's break it down this way. What we shouldn't do, why we shouldn't do it, how to be called to do, and then lastly, how to become people who do it. We'll do it quickly, but we're going to look at what we shouldn't do, why we shouldn't do it, what we're called to do, and then how to be people who can actually do it. All right, so first, what we shouldn't do. And yes, I, I'm Captain Obvious up here. You're like, I already know what we shouldn't do. Ninth commandment, do not bear false witness, means do not lie. We're done. Let's pray. And some of you are like, that'd be great. Um, but it's hot in here. But I think the reason why we need to go into this more, the problem for us is that we don't realize how much we do lie. And we don't even know it when we're doing it. And this is why I think this command is a special command, because notice, it doesn't just give us a principle. It actually gives us a case study. It gives us an, act, uh, uh, an example to, uh, to help us understand what the writer's trying to get at. And so, in the example, it talks about neighbors, by the way, for the first time. The command actually says some, there's something about not just about how we operate towards God, but actually how we operate out towards neighbors. And the example given is from the law courts. You say, why? Why? Because bearing false witness is about in a court of law. Why use that example? The reason why I think is because deception in general, what happens when you deceive somebody is, is you d distort reality for that individual. You destroy truth in that moment. But if you do it in a court of law, you don't just do it between you and the other individual. You're doing it so it affects the community. Because when you do it in a court of law, the, the, the courts are supposed to adjudicate justice. And the courts are supposed to be a place where there's fairness for all people in the area. 
And so when you lie in a court of law, you're killing the ability to rule rightly. I think you, you can look in your history books that when you start losing trust in your government, when you start losing trust in the court system, the society that, where that happens, you see breakdown. People fall apart. When you no longer can trust other people, what can you really do together? And the answer is not that much. So therefore, I think this isn't just about lying in a court. This is about telling the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So let me try to give you just a list, fast, of examples of what this might look like when truth is hidden. Number one, slander. In slander, what happens? It's a lie where we get an impression of somebody else, and we don't find out the truth of that statement, and so we let that lie affect and color our perception of another individual, where we become jaded of them, and we become, uh, we, we, we become suspicious of them. And so we treat them that way. You know what happens when you do that to somebody else? They pick up on it, and they become suspicious of you and jaded about you. And so what ends up happening over time is re there's relationship breakdown, number one. Number two, gossip. Nobody, by the way, ever thinks, how many, raise your hand if you're a gossip. See, nobody, no, nobody thinks they're a gossip. All right, one person over there. But nobody really thinks they're a gossip because most people don't even know they're doing it because here's what gossip is. It's what I'll call contextless, it's contextless tidbits of truthiness. Yes, I just, that's my own word. I made that up. It's, text, it's, context, it's contextless tidbits of truthiness that we tell each other where the listener is changed usually negatively by the report. And it leads to what I'll call reality breakdown. All right? Number three, flattery. This happens everywhere. This is what, what you hear. People do this all the time. You look amazing. You look perfect. And I know you're trying to be encouraging, you're trying, but really, is that really fully true in that moment? Because what you're doing in, that, in flattery is you're going beyond reality, and you're going into the movement of fantasy. And by doing that, you get eventually into ego breakdown. There was this old John Candy movie, right, with uh, Cool Runnings, and the guy's looking in the mirror and says, you know, I am this, I am this, I'm, I, I, and then and he goes out and he tries to live it, and it, it, it leads to breakdown, because just because you tell yourself something doesn't make it actually true. It's ego breakdown. That's two. Three, phoniness, pretense, and fakeness is a type of lying. Ironically, it's, it's like the center of lying because it's, it's where you yourself are the definition of untruthfulness. You're the embodiment of it in that moment. And when you're phony or, or fake, it leads to social breakdown, as we see it time and time again. That's three. Four. Wait, that's right, that was four. Five. Little white lies. Here's my favorite in New York City, where we, everybody loves the network. People are like, let's hang out. And the person goes, yeah, let's do that. And you have no intention of following up with that person. Or you're like, oh, how about this and this and this? And then last minute, you know, oh, something came up. What is that? It, you think it's being polite. You think you're being, you know, nice in that. But here's what's going on in that moment. You are treating the other party as unable to handle the truth of that moment. And, what, and by doing that, you're keeping the truth from them, which disempowers them from being able to make an informed decision. Uh, and because you're, you're not, they're not able to make the informed decision, by protecting them from the truth, the reality of the situation has been lost. And so what's happening in that moment is, in this case, the reality that you don't want to actually be with them, 
You're keeping them like an infant, away from the truth. And on the surface, it looks like it's being kind, but because they now can't make a true decision in reality, they're living a lie, and so are you. And I can, you know, the list can keep going on, and I can make more, but here's the point. Everybody does this. Everybody shades. Everybody spins. You hear, when you think that your view is better than somebody else's view, there's a type of lying that's happening in that moment. Because you're not actually giving the nature of the other individual a proper hearing of where they're coming from. So uh, I think this is one of our, our biggest problems. is because when you shade and when you spin and when your ideas have a more favorable light to other people, you can tell the truth but you can tell only part of the truth. Or you can think you're telling the truth to somebody. This happens a lot. But because of the way you handle it, because you just shade it just a little bit, that what, the way that what they're receiving is off, and so it's actually a, a, a lie in, 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 of reality for them. And I, I, this is how I'm trying to illustrate how deep this is. Psychologists have, have proven that humans tend to remember the past more favorably than actually what happened. Which means there's something built into your life that actually doesn't even let you see reality well. It's they, 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 the term they call it is rosy retrospection. I love that term. We have a rosy retrospection of the past. There's something innate in us where we can't even remember history properly, so we augment reality and then we retell it wrongly to everybody else. So yeah, I think this might be, in my mind, one of our greatest cultural sins because what we do is we move out here, we go outside, and we start talking in social media, uh, in person. And we don't think about how we're actually being heard in the moment. At Redeemer Lincoln Square, we value questions and the people who ask them, which is why we hold a time of question and response, or Q&R, after our Sunday worship service. It's an opportunity for anyone to text in questions and then process responses alongside our pastors and other members of our church community. If you have questions that you'd like to process, feel free to email us at lsq at redeemer.com or join us for our virtual worship service on YouTube every Sunday at 10.30 a.m. Eastern. You can find our YouTube channel at lincolnsquare.redeemer.com slash YouTube. I don't know if you heard the phrase, speaking the truth in love. Go to uh, Proverbs 27, 6. This is what it says. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. I love that. Memorize that. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Why? Because an enemy will... What, what an enemy will do is they'll kiss you all day long, but will never tell you the truth. They'll keep you from the truth, actually. Real friends, though, don't gloss over the truth. They don't just give you a kiss. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, which means what? It means sometimes there's hurts that are meant to heal, not to, um, not, not to break down on you. Wounds are made not to hurt, but to heal. And this means if you don't tell somebody the truth, what the Bible is saying is you might just be an enemy kissing them. That's deep, which means we have a, a reasonable uh, grounds to tell the truth. But hear this out. You don't have grounds to just tell the truth in any kind of context. You have to take in consideration the timing, the tone, the manner, and how you do it. 
I can't tell you how many times I've talked with people uh, who went to their roommate, they went to their spouse, they went to their friend, they went to their coworker, and they said, hey, I told them the truth, and they just screamed at me. And I go, all right, well, tell me exactly how did you tell it to them? And the assumption is, well, if, as long as it's objectively true, it's okay. But the Bible is clear. It's not just the statement, but how the statement is delivered. Right? If you say the statement, I just said it, it was true, but if they can't hear it, they go on living a lie, you've actually led to more societal breakdown in that moment. I used to tell students that if you can't say the truth in a way that the friend or the roommate or the coworker can hear it and disagree with you but still know that you love them, then you probably shouldn't even try in the first place. Because if you can't do that, then you haven't thought hard enough, not just what the truth is, but how to say the truth because it's not true if they can't hear it, right? And culturally, this is what I'm saying. Culturally, we're, no, I doubt we're doing this well. Because, I'll, I'll repeat, love without truth doesn't say anything at all. It covers it up with kisses like an enemy. But truth without love wrecks people and doesn't give them the chance to understand. And if you don't give them the chance to understand, you're going to lead to more of the fabric of reality breaking down because the truth can't really come to bear on somebody if they can't hear it. This is super important. If they can't hear it, they're going to keep being deceived in their decisions, in their actions, and they're going to live their life based on deception. And I, I, this is where I, I started getting convicted. I go, whoa, I don't wake up in the morning every day and say, hmm, my way of not telling the truth in a moment or telling the truth in a way that I know that they can't hear it actually leads to more deception in life for societal breakdown. I don't work. I just don't wake up that way. But that's what this text is trying to say about bearing false witness. Lewis Meads puts it better than I can. He says this, lies or the lack of truthfulness diminishes everyone who we deceive because by lying we treat persons as if they have no right to share in the mutual trust uh, without which we cannot be human together in community. That's what we shouldn't do. And frankly, I would make the argument, in, ver- in all those ways I gave you, there, we do it. Now, secondly, why shouldn't we do it? Well, go back to the law court example. And again, what happens in a law court? There's witnesses, there's a judge, there's people who are, uh, there's accusations, there's the, the, the accused and the accuser. But everything's supposed to happen under oath, right? You, right? I think in America you put your hand on, I think you still do, on a, on a Bible or something you swear to tell the whole truth. You know, the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. What's going on there is we are under oath. But why give this as the example for our commandment? I think the answer is individuals are always under oath, whether they're in the law court or not. How do I know this? Well, if you read other passages in the Bible, we know that we, we worship a God of truth. And Jesus himself, a little bit later in, our, in Matthew 5, we, the passage I gave you doesn't have this text, but if you skip down to verse 37, Jesus says that we should be people who do not swear oaths. He says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Why? The reason why is because there's no context where believers are allowed to like be less truthful or less under oath. In other words... No pinky swearing, folks. Like, now I really, now I really promise. It, it, you know, there's not supposed to be gradations there. 
we're always supposed to tell the truth. Why? Well, and I'll say it again. It's because we're not just creating a chasm in that moment between me and the other person uh, where the lie affects that person. No, you have to see it as a larger process that affects the fabric of reality. And it reverberates out. So let me give you an example of this. If somebody's being a jerk, somebody's kind of being a, a, a jerky person, if you do not tell that person, or if you tell that person, hey, you're kind of a jerk, in, in, a, really, you know, in a way that they can't hear it, what will happen in either case is they'll keep living out that reality. And as they go out from you, that will affect other people. And as it affects other people, it will reverberate out into the rest of of life. That's the deeper reason why we shouldn't do this. So there's what we shouldn't do. There's why we shouldn't do it. Now, thirdly, what are we called to do then? Well, I could be very annoying right now and say, you're called not to lie. Uh, But again, hopefully I'm showing you this, this is actually a really deep command. That we're under extreme pressure not to do that. To keep the peace. To say things in a way that leads to more of my comfort. My, um, my campus minister, when I was on campus, said this. He said, when we don't tell the truth in that moment, we're prioritizing, we're maximizing my comfort and minimizing my discomfort. When you don't tell the truth, what you're doing is you're trying to maximize your comfort and minimize your discomfort. Because telling the truth is uncomfortable. It's hard. It means effort to put things the best way. It means... Uh, checking your motives for why you want to say something. Instead of just telling somebody off, there's, there's, an, there's a, a process that you need to go through, a carefulness, so that, 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 that they can hear where you're coming from. In other words, this is the most other-centric uh, uh, command because by definition, you have to think about what the other person might be feeling in a context in a way that they can actually hear that truth and understand it. Um, I think that's hard. Go back to Genesis 1 and 2. What happens? God creates. How does God create? He speaks. You're made in God's image. That means what? When you create, you create through speaking. How's that possible? Have you ever heard of Instagram influencers? I love this. I, I love this phrase, Instagram influencers. You know what they are? They're people who get free stuff, and they wear the clothes, and they, walk, they, they, they take pictures of themselves wearing it. What What happens? Other people go out and buy it. Why? That's speaking. Here's what people don't realize. Whether you text or take a picture or use your mouth, you are influencing. There's no way for you not to influence. This is why we, that's why ads matter. You know, when you walk outside, you see the ad, Coke. What happens? Mmm, Coke. Because, because just the, the literal statement of it is enough as it speaks into your life. This is why I always kind of giggle when people say Christians shouldn't proselytize. Have you heard people say that? Hey, Christians really shouldn't proselytize. That's not okay. I always giggle because I'm like, you know, you're proselytizing right now for me not to proselytize. It's just, it's it's like, it's ludicrous. People need to realize when you say, hey, Christians shouldn't try to convert people. You're trying to convert me to the view that people shouldn't try to convert people. The minute you open your mouth, you are making statements of influence to shade and color reality in a certain way. The way you, what you wear, the what you do does this. And I think it's really important to get this. So 
see where this is going. The Hebrew Bible knew that we individually stand as influencers. You know what they called it? They called it witnessing. If you go to Deuteronomy 6.4 in the Hebrew Bible, you, you will find the Shema, which might be the most important phrase in the, in the entire Bible, in the entire Hebrew Bible. The Shema goes like this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. That was the most important thing to, to communicate. And, and you actually know this because if you go to most Hebrew Bibles on this phrase, the, the first two letters of the first uh, word are actually capitalized. And if you take those two letters and put them together, they actually form the word witness. In other words, why? Because this is the heart of the command. This command is not just about do not lie. Remember, go back to the command. What does it say? Do not bear false witness. What's the opposite? To bear true witness. In other words, to really follow this command means to be and understand yourself as witnesses of what? Of the truth. To, re- to reality, to be lovers of what's real and true and good and to be communicators and to be expressors and to be influencers of that. To tell people that there is a true God, to tell people there, that all things won't be this way, to tell people that there is a, a redemption and restoration for all of creation and that should impact how we live our lives now. And if you don't bear that witness, you're not just being untruthful to who you are you're also failing to let people in on the true nature of reality. In other words, you're living a lie, and you're letting other people live a lie. And so what was convicting for me is I asked myself, am I really a truth teller? Am I, are, we witness, are we witnessers? Do we witness? Do not bear, see, people go, well, don't, you can't make me do that. Well, if you don't want to bear fault witness, you need to bear true witness. It's that simple. And because, and here's the dirty truth about truth. You know, you can be really dirty with truth. You can, you can be really mean with it. You can be self-centered with truth because you can wield it in a way that hurts other people and builds you up. But biblically speaking, if you care about truth, then you have to be committed to other people getting it. In other words, real truth-tellers are other-centered. They care about what other people are, 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 are bringing in. That's why real love has to have truth to it. And real truth has to have love to it. Right? Real truth never ends in you. Real truth actually ends in the other person. Go to, you don't believe me, go to John chapter 4. Jesus goes to the well, right, with, with a woman. What does he do? He tells her the truth. That is not your husband, and you actually have had more husbands. Ah! But then he, what does he do? He tells it in a way where she can, points out what she really is looking for. She, you're looking for living water. She tells the truth, but then she tells it, he tells it in love. He says, what you're really looking for is water. I give you love, truth in love. Every time Jesus speaks, he purposely, he, he is able to hold these two things together. And I ask myself, are we those people too? Are we the people to do this? Because that's what we're called to, nothing less. All right, last point. How might we be people to really do this, to be truth tellers? Um, let me start with how not to do it. As a parent, I'm trying to get my kids to do things, Right? So if I want my kid not to lie, you want to, let me tell you the two main ways you usually get people not to lie. You go to them and you say, don't lie or else punishment. <laughs> don't lie or else, you know, there'll be punishment. That's one way you do it. The other way is you just get, kind of grit your teeth and you get really mad and you kind of scream. People do this. I do this. You get, Arr! and 
what's going on in that moment is I'm, I'm, I'm trying to influence my, using truth, but not very effectively. Now, here's another way you try to do it. One way is to kind of like scream at them, don't lie or punishment. The other way to do it is you say, hey, you shouldn't lie because you know why? You're a good person and good people don't lie. What's that? That's pride. So the first one's fear, right? Either fear of being punished or fear of I'm just going to scream at you. The other way is pride. But think about it. Why do we shade? Why do I lie? As I was dwelling on this this week, I lie and I shade usually because of fear. I don't want people to not like me for approval. Or it's pride. I'm a good person, you know, and I don't want them to think I'm a bad person. So I'm going to spin that a little bit over here, which is pride. So I'm lying because of truth and uh, fear or pride. How can you actually motivate somebody to then tell the truth through fear or, or pride? It won't work. Don't do it that way. That's how we normally try to educate or, or look on social media right now. But the cancel culture is shame and fear and let's get you down. Which is, I mean, it works to a degree until the person just begrudges you and gets mad at you and then creates the counter narrative and then it all starts all over again. Because ultimately that's not how you're going to win people. So, fine. Then what do we have here? Well, the text says... Their true motivation, and this is the scary part, is it needs to be our neighbor. Go back to the text. It ends in neighbor. It must be for the other. And this is where I get really cringe. I cringe out because in the heat of the moment, I am not thinking about my neighbor. I'm thinking about myself in that moment, what people think of me. And I, I don't think I'm, I'm nobody's, you're not going to walk out of here and go, mm, I'm going to think about the fabric of reality in this moment. Nobody's going to do that. So, what do we have? Zoom out, look at all the Ten Commandments as a whole. Remember the order. What does God do first? He says, never forget truth. What's the truth? Verse 2, I am the Lord your God. First, who brought you out of, the e out of Egypt. Another truth. Who saved you, who loved you, who stayed with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I brought you out of bondage. And since I did, that law has now liberated you, and it liberates others to the truth. And this is where it gets, this is where it gets so fascinating. If, if our God is a Lord of truth, and who always tells the truth and wants us to live truthfully, the only way you're going to do that is if you know that your love first asks to do anything else second. That you're, you know, you're, you're accepted... Therefore you obey. It's not obey and then you're accepted. The, the, the Ten Commandments are even ordered that way. I am the Lord your God first. I'm already there for you. I'm already in your, in your camp, in your side. And you have to have this because if you don't, you will always, always, always be too afraid in the moment to tell the truth. Only if you know that whatever else might happen through thick and thin, he still has my back, he's still going to be there, can you be truthful in that moment? And it will hurt, I have to be honest with you folks. It, people will not be happy with you. It, you, it, you will get smashed, but the truth, if we believe it set you free, it can set other people free too. It leads to liberation. And therefore, truth-telling is many ways to liberate the world. And I think we find that ultimately in Jesus. Because what happened with Jesus? 
in his moment of stress. He's before Pilate. Pilate says, who are you? And what does he say? I tell you the truth. I am who you say I am. I, I, it's just, it's amazing what he does. I've come to bear witness to the truth is what he says. That, you can look up that passage. If Jesus had not said that, if he had just withheld a little bit of that, shaded a little bit, he wouldn't have died. But since Jesus, you know, well, even more, you know, he could have said this. He could have said, they're mistaken. Why? Because the whole trial was a sham, a false witness. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the maker of the universe, dies because of the breaking of this command. If lying leads to breakdown, I think the greatest, command, the greatest example of that is Jesus. But, by, but through it happening to him, he's able to bear witness. By never lying, Jesus gets killed so that even when we get killed by telling the truth, we'll never die. It's that simple. Friends, if you tell the truth, you will be clobbered, you, but you won't be destroyed. Not if you have him. Not if you make him the center. Not if he's your home base. Not if anything else, fear or pride will lead you away. But we can be honest in all situations because he was first. That, that, so I think the healing can start if you let it. If, if you know that Jesus is setting you free, that he is bringing redemption and restoration for all of creation, then all we're doing is in, in little many ways we're, we're bringing that home now. How? Here's a, here's a start. Have you ever noticed if in a situation where you say, you step out and you say, I was wrong. I'm sorry. This is who I am. I need to be honest with you. Have you ever noticed that when you do that in a situation, whether it's a marriage or it's a friendship or if it's in a group setting, what happens? It lets other people finally be true too. It, 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 not, it doesn't always, because sometimes still, those people are still afraid, but often it leads to other honesty. And I think, it has, therefore, this has the power to reprogram us. What if you could do that now? What if we were a church known who sought to tell truth in love that were, was other-centric so other people could be brought into the truth? That means seeking the truth for others, telling the truth in love, we're doing the work to do it, to recreate the relationships so that when you did tell the truth, they might not agree with you, but they would know that you cared about them. We live in an expert culture, and so I think often I'm afraid to speak because I don't think I have enough information. But if Jesus made apostles, sorry, made fishermen apostles, and they had enough knowledge to go and tell, then you do too. Right now. Even though you don't feel it, you do. And so I, what do you start with? Study the true word. Study the scriptures. Let it study you until you know. And when you know, you will go and tell and do. You'll do it with truth and love. Jesus did it first to you. What did he say? I had to die for you. It's true. But I did it because I love you. It's love. Truth and love slam together. It'll make us truth and love tellers too. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, sometimes it's, it's hard. We get distracted. The concerns and cares of this world press on us, Father, and, and it makes us shade. I, I confess. I confess I, I, this command I have not taken seriously enough in my life. It's not just about not telling a lie. It's about being a witness. 
for not to bear false witness? Are we really, do, do I go to sleep saying I witness to the best of my ability today? And Father, I confess I don't. I pray that knowing that you are a God of truth, that you yourself were falsely accused and, and stayed because you cared about truth that much and you did it for us. If I make you the center of my life, I can in small tangible ways live for truth more. I pray everybody in this room can do that. Wherever, whatever we're, situation we're in, whatever space, I pray that we'll be able to move out and love and serve you. We're praising in your name. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to our church podcast. We pray that it can serve as a resource for you as you continue processing aspects of Christianity and growing in your faith. We hope you'll subscribe to our channel if you haven't already. And we invite you to check out our website to learn more about our church and how to get connected to our family. Just visit lincolnsquare.redeemer.com.